Hola, amiga. I believe the only way to create a life of your dreams is by taking massive action that makes shit happen. Basically, amiga, handle your shit. Yes, I said that. Handle your shit. Stop playing small and start breaking down cultural limitations, gain back your feminine power, and become the unapologetic and unstoppable Latina you were destined to be. This show is meant to inspire, motivate, and awaken your soul's potential. You will learn from business professionals, successful entrepreneurs, and creatives that will teach you mental corrections, insider tips, success strategies, and of course, a dose of personal development. I am your host, Jackie Tapia, lawyer, transformational life coach, and entrepreneur. I am also a wife and mom to a little badass Latina. I'm obsessed with changing the Latina's mindset and breaking down cultural barriers so that you can live your best life and step into your true power and start living a life of abundance in all ways and always. Join me for inspiring conversations with thought leaders and learn how to handle your shit. ¿Estás lista? Vámonos. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. I am excited, as always, because I love being on the mic, and especially when I have fabulous women coming on. I am interviewing today Fatima Jelmaine Rodriguez, and she is a Latina CEO of a big, big, big time nonprofit called Ronald McDonald House of Charities of Southern California. Fatima is a native Angelino raised in the San Gabriel Valley. She attended Ramona Convent Secondary School, earned her BA in communications from USC's Annenberg School for Communication, and her MA from the University of Texas at Austin's radio, television, and film program. Upon graduating from UT Austin, Fatima began her search for work in the nonprofit sector. Devoted to community service, Fatima wanted to work for a grassroots organization focused on community building and empowerment. Her search led her to Proyecto Pastoral, where she was employed as development associate, development director, and finally, associate director for nearly eight years. In her tenure at Proyecto, she helped build the organization's infrastructure and establish unprecedented financial stability for the organization. Fatima then transitioned to work as the development director for Camp Ronald McDonald for Good Times in January 2013. She was drawn to their mission of building healthier lives for children with cancer and their families. She was promoted to executive director in October of 2017, excited to continue the fundraising success under her tenure as development director and work with the camp community to deepen its impact across the board. Fatima was promoted to CEO and assumed the position on January 18, 2022. She's excited to be at the helm of RMHCSH with a deep passion for the organization's mission and deepening our impact throughout Southern California. 
Fatima enjoys spending time with her two daughters and her husband and uses her creative talents to do makeup for friends and family in her spare time. Wow, I'm so excited to have her here and please welcome Fatima Jelmaine Rodriguez. Hello, 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 amigas, and welcome to Amiga Handle Your Shit podcast. Okay, amigas, I'm excited to interview our beautiful friend here, Fatima. Um, she is the CEO of Ronald McDonald House of Charities of SoCal, and the acronym is RMHCS. See, and it's like a mouthful, but it's such an amazing organization. And I can't wait for us to have this beautiful conversation about who she is, how she came to be a CEO, because amigas, let's face it, there's not enough Latina CEOs. And yes. I'm really, I want to dig really deep and find out quién es Fatima, like who is Fatima? How did she get to be the CEO of this huge brand? So mm -hmm. my love, my love, you're a native Angelina, right? Yes, I am. Well, technically I was born in San Francisco, but I consider myself a native Angelina because I was in San Francisco for one year. My parents met while they were in college at University of San Francisco. And then, um, you know, they were obviously very young and wanted family support. My mom's a native Angelino. So then they moved back when I was one years old. So technically, you know... <laughs> But I, yeah, you're native. You're native. Yes. You're native. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, in LA's, LA's the place where the heart is right now. Exactly. Right? Yes. Absolutely. So, okay. So you, you grew up here in, in LA mm -hmm. and yeah. um, did you, what was your aspiration? Like you, you had the mindset of, okay, I'm going to go to college for sure. Yes. Yes. So I was raised by a single mother. Uh, my mom, you know, is very inspirational herself. She's an executive for Bank of America and she's been in the banking industry since I was, you know, a kid myself. And so just always saw her example, her leadership, her commitment to giving back to the community. And, um, you know, as a single parent of two children, she always prioritized our education. And so I did have a mix of um, private school, Catholic school education, and public school education. So I, I was able to experience both. And um, I remember I went to uh, Ramona Convent for high school. And I remember when we were deciding what high school, I had, you know, choices between different um, really great high schools. Ramona was definitely on the pricier end, given, you know, my mom being a single parent. And, um, my mom knew that the investment in my education was so important. And so she really did make that sacrifice to send me to Ramona convent. So I would say between my mom's example and Ramona, which really puts an emphasis on service to the community, that's what really laid the, the groundwork for me to feel very passionate about giving back to the community. I never like had a clear path of what that was going to be exactly. You know, I think, um, we put a lot of our, a lot of pressure on our kids, especially, you know, we, it's always a question of what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, <laughs> our world is so small when we're, when we're young, we pretty much know doctor, lawyer, and whatever, you know, line of work our parents are in, or like people in our family. And so um, I would say, you know, as much as my mom exposed me to so many things, my world was still pretty small. So um, I hadn't even considered nonprofit sector at that age. I thought like probably want to be a teacher or a lawyer. 
Um, but always knew I wanted to give back to the community in some way. Yeah. Oh my God. You know, the thing is, is that even, even though you may have a, like, okay, you know, you're going to give back. You just don't know Mm -hmm. what modality, right? Exactly. And in Mm -hmm. our community, like they don't, tell you or teach you about these nonprofits, they don't push mm-hmm. the road. It's like, you kind of have to figure right. it out. Exactly. So, okay. So then you, okay. So you're like, okay, I'm going to get back to the community. And then you go to USC to get mm-hmm. your bachelor's and your mm-hmm. bachelor's. So tell me why you elected that for your bachelor's. So, um, I, I decided to major in communications. When I first started at USC, I was a history major because, again, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. I really liked learning about history. And then once I started to take the classes, I was like, oh, actually, I don't like this very much. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I remember my aunt, who's also a USC grad, so is my mom. So I right do come from... Yay! So I do come from a long line of of Trojans, but I think um, the difference is by the time my mom graduated, she had, you know, she was pregnant with my brother and already had me. I had more of a, you know, quote unquote, traditional uh, college experience, which I don't think that exists really. I mean, it's, you know, everyone's experience is unique, but I I had the opportunity to go to USC for all four years and live on campus. Um, But I remember my aunt told me, you know, why don't you consider journalism or communications? Like you're such a great communicator. And so I thought, okay, maybe I'll try journalism. And so I started to write for the paper there at USC for um, the Daily Trojan. Trojan. Yeah. So I I wrote a couple articles and I was like, yeah, this is not, this is not (laughs) what I'm interested in. So a lot of it is like a process of elimination, you know? And that's why, you know, I had so many jobs when I was at USC. I mean, I, um, was a waitress. I was a server for Town and Gown. I worked, you know, in the accounting department on campus. I had an internship with a PR firm. I worked for. Um, I had an internship with Avery Dennison, which makes all the labels. I was in HR and in communication. So I was like really exposing myself to so many different things. And again, all of those experiences helped me understand stand and kind of hone in on what I liked and what I didn't like, including the culture of the environment and, you know, how people work together, all of those things. And and through those experiences, I realized that I didn't want to be part of corporate America. I I felt like it was very um, stringent and how they like to do things. There wasn't a lot of creativity. And so that was something that I realized, like, no matter what I do, I need to be in an environment where I can be creative and I can have big ideas and really follow through on those ideas. So um, as I was studying communications, I really had took an interest in learning more about youth and youth development as it relates to how they consume media. And I spent a lot of time as a kid watching television. You know, um, my brother and I spent a lot of time at home alone. I mean, back in the day when it was acceptable to do that. I mean, although there are kids who still right. are home alone, you know, yeah, very yeah, yeah. young. Yeah. So my brother and I would spend a lot of time home alone while my mom was working and I, and we watched TV and I remember my mom would call. And at that time, like there are no cameras, nanny cams or cell phones. Or, <laughs> so my mom would call and I'd be like, turn off the TV. <laughs> the phone, what are you doing? We're doing our homework. <laughs> I 
know, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. So well, that's awesome, though. But, yeah. but did she realize that you guys weren't watching? That you guys weren't doing your homework? You were actually watching TV at some. Well, point? <laughs> I think we would do our homework, but we would just like do it right before she was coming home. You know, we wouldn't spend all these hours doing our homework. Uh, but I, I was really curious to know, like, what? How did that impact my? I, you know, identity formation and, and how I understood my place in the world based on what I was consuming on television. So that's what I really started to explore was um, television and representation of Latinos on TV and, you know, youth and, and again, their identity formation based on their media consumption. So that's, that's what I started to study at USC and thought that I was going to continue in academia and become a professor. And that's why I went to get my master's at the University of Texas at Austin, thinking that I was eventually going to be an academic. Yeah. Yeah. But then mm -hmm. something happened because you didn't, you didn't go that route. So yeah. Tell us what happened. Yeah. So at the University of Texas at Austin, I, I uh, received my master's from the radio, television and film program. And again, continued on that trajectory of learning more and studying about Latino youth and, and, you know, media. And um, I really enjoyed my time there. I mean, I feel like that's where I really, I'm a late bloomer for sure. And I feel like that's when I blossomed and started to really develop my own, um, you know, identity. I mean, I had an identity before, but like, be, you know, beyond wanting to please my, my mom or like people in my family, I started to really like think about who am I, what do I want, you know, and, and also became, was politicized at UT and started to understand some of the systemic racism and things that exist that keep, you know, communities of color um, at the margins. And so I started to really become passionate about that and started to do some organizing work when I was at UT that was focused on, uh, we created a, a camp for youth uh, to teach them about how to utilize media, how to make their own, you know, uh, radio shows, how to make their own um, plays, TV. So, but it was all around also educating them about the system and understanding how communication is made. And, and so, um, but when I was at UT, I became really you know, disillusioned with how academia worked and felt like it was really disconnected from the community. And even though you're doing research, I mean, you're kind of in and out, you know, you're not like in the trenches. And so I felt like, I think what's next for me is to work for a nonprofit organization, specifically a grassroots organization. And I'll do that for a year, a few years, and then I'll come back and get my PhD. That was my original plan, thinking that this is where I'm really going to, academia is where I can, will continue to learn and grow. And I realized once I started working in the nonprofit sector, you don't necessarily need to just like be in school to learn and grow. Right. right <laughs> and yeah. in, some, in some cases, I mean, I've learned the, the, what are, where I've learned the most is definitely in being a practitioner in the nonprofit sector. Yes. So, um, yeah, so I just continued on that path once I graduated from UT. Wow. So, mm -hmm. and you're taking all these skills that are so transferable and you're actually mm -hmm. helping the community mm -hmm. in, in the youth and in, in film. I mean, you were just, I think you were paving the road for what you are doing now. Yes, right? and absolutely. So, 
it's important um, um, as we're talking to tell amigas out there that just because you choose a certain degree doesn't limit you. Like you mm-hmm. can move it into different directions. You don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, you, if you, like you said, you were, you were thinking of getting a PhD, right? Mm-hmm. But then life took you in a different direction mm-hmm. and look yeah. at you now. Now yes. you're CEO of Ronald McDonald House of Charities of SoCal. So, okay. yes. so first you go work for a nonprofit, which is uh, Proyecto Pastoral, I think, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so you're working there and you worked there for several years, correct? Yes, for seven, over seven years. Yes, yes. So mm-hmm. then you're doing, you're in the trenches in Boyle Heights, you know, community mm-hmm. organizing. And so at what point did you decide, okay, I'm going to transition into another space, another non mm-hmm. Yeah. So when I started at Proyecto Pastoral, I was, I believe I was 26 at the time. So it was straight out of grad school. And so it was my first professional job out of school. And I started with a with the intention of moving over to our youth development program and really being more hands-on with the youth, because again, that's always been my passion is working with young people. And um, I spent, you know, at least a year looking for the right nonprofit organization, because I knew that this was going to be the first step in, in my career. And I didn't want to work for just any nonprofit. I wanted to work for a grassroots organization that really involved the community and the change that they were seeking at a leadership level. And when I found Proyecto, I just completely fell in love. I mean, half of their commu- half half of their board of directors is composed of community members, and really founders of the the movement that started in Boyle Heights. And so I felt so honored. I was like, oh my gosh, like I get to work at this amazing organization. And the only position they had open at the time was a development associate position, which is a fundraising role, entry level fundraising role. And I was like, well, you know, I've been fundraising in different ways all my life with my youth organizing work. You know, I've been a little entrepreneur, you know, I used to sell slap bracelets and popsicles when I was um, in elementary school to make money, you know, (laughs) so I've always been kind of entrepreneurial and um, yes, and creative, right? Which is something that you always wanted it too. Have yes. Part of it, right. Oh, right. Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, so when I started, you know, soon after taking on the development associate role, the development director moved on and I was promoted to development director. So I had a leadership role very early on in my career. The executive director of Proyecto, she and I started on the same day. She was only a couple of years older than me. So we were both very young and trying and like figuring this out together. Um, I had never fundraised at that level before. I mean, we were at the time $2 million organization and, and you know, thinking of like learning about the best practices around how do you generate revenue for an organization and it was at that time I realized that um, you know when people would tell me like oh wait till you get to the real world I would really get offended when people would tell me that because I'm like school's very hard like it's really challenging (laughs) yeah Um, well this is very real but I think the difference was once I went to Proyecto I realized that the outcomes of my work product were 
directly impacting our ability to not only employ people, but to live our mission. Without the revenue and the resources, we could not have our programs. And so when I started with Proyecto, we you know, within six months, we had a major deficit of $300,000 and we had to lay staff off. We had to, you know, cut back on our program. And that was based on the decisions of the, of the leadership that was in that position previously, but we inherited that and we had to, to navigate it. There was also the, the major recession 2008 that happened under our leadership and we had to navigate that as well. So, um, you know, there was a lot of amazing work that we did at Proyecto. And by the time I left, I mean, we had a surplus. We had, you know, over half a million dollar surplus to ensure that the stability of the organization, in case there was another recession, we knew we had something to rely on so that we, we could still maintain our programs. But really it was having my first daughter, who Alejandra, who's now 10 years old. She'll be 11 on June 19th. And, um, you know, she, once you have you start a family, it completely shifts your priorities. And because Proyecto was very much a grassroots organization, I was I was wearing several hats. I was, you know, government relations, I was supporting the operations and strategic planning of the organization in addition to fundraising. So I um, worked many, many hours, That's you know, so weekends. Fun. Yeah, I was oh like, God. you know, it was it was very right? yes yes and i was like everybody knew like i was all about proyecto it's like my love and my passion mm-hmm. to the point where my husband you know was like at the time we weren't married yet but he you know wanted to start a family and was like you know you got to reevaluate your work life because there's no way we can start a family with how much time you're dedicating to your work but for me it's always been a vocation right um, this work has always been a vocation. So, um, but I knew at that time, especially once I had my daughter, I was like, okay, I need to find something where I can have more balance in my life. And so that, that was really the catalyst for me to um, search for another organization that aligned with my values that I could, but I could have more balance. And so I was recruited by the executive director at the time to, um, to, for Camp Ronald McDonald for Good Times, which is one of the programs of Ronald McDonald House Charities. And so she recruited me to come in as the development director. And, you know, I said, well, I'll do that, but I can only work four days a week. And she <laughs> well, said, that's great. That's yeah, great that you, you yeah. actually said, this is what only I'll go work mm-hmm. for you. But this is my my non-negotiables. Exactly. And I knew having, you know, a a daughter that was just over the age of one that I I wanted to have at least three day weekend. And so for two years, I worked four days a week when I was the development director for Camp Ronald McDonald. And, um, you know, initially when I started at camp, I thought, okay, I'm going to be here for a little bit and then I'll figure out where I want to go next because I was so passionate about working in the Latino community. Um, And... But once I went up to camp and actually saw the program in action, and I went, my first visit to camp was for our Campamento Familiar, which is a Spanish language camp. And so I got to visit with the families, and then I was completely sold, and I completely fell in love with the mission of the organization and decided to stay. Obviously, I've been here. I've been with the organization nine years now. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I... I've, I've watched some YouTube on, on the, what you guys do. And I'm mm-hmm. like, like, I almost was going to shed tears because mm. it's so precious 
so mm-hmm. wonderful to see these kids have a place. These mm-hmm. cancer survivors have a place to be kids, mm-hmm. not to live that diagnosis every mm-hmm. day because it's, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking right you know, to live that so okay so you're here at the campamento familiar and then you keep moving through the trenches and up the, the ladder of, mm-hmm. until you become a ceo so mm-hmm. at, so at what point was like that aha moment like oh my god i'm actually gonna go for it i'm gonna go on a yeah or, or i'm going to be a ceo of this amazing amazing nonprofit. Mm-hmm. well i feel like Throughout my whole journey, I what grounds me is my core values of what's important to me in my life and how I want to live my life and the impact I want to have in my life. And then from there, I use a lot of intuition and listen to my gut about, okay, is this the right next step for me? And there are people who have a five-year plan and they're like, and then I'm going to do this and this and this. And I'm definitely not one of those people. I think because I'm a creative type and You know, so I'm like, here are my core values. Here's, you know, and then I listen to my intuition, like what feels right. So um, I was a development director for camp for four years. And then my predecessor, the camp ED moved on and on the executive director position for Camp Ronald McDonald. And I was in that role for almost five years. And so it was last July, actually. So almost a year ago where the previous CEO, Vince Bryson, and we had our first like leadership team meeting in person after two years of you know pandemic and only meeting on Zoom. And we were able to meet in person. And part of our leadership team meeting, we would go around and share like, what's the latest and greatest going on with us and our programs. And so at that meeting, he shared that he was retiring and we had no idea, you know, he's, he's 65, I think maybe 66, but he's very young looking. So everybody's always was like shocked. that he was retiring. (laughs) Yeah. I saw him. I'm like, he's retiring. (laughs) Yeah. No, he looks much younger than, than, you know, his, his age. Um, and so we were all like shocked, but it was honestly that moment when he said, I'm retiring, that I was like, I'm going to apply for that job. <laughs> it was in that moment. I didn't have my eyes that, on it. Your I intuition. mean, yeah. Oh yeah. It was almost that, like a voice from within that said that. And I was almost like, I looked back at myself, like, what did you just think? Like, it was just <laughs> like I was like, oh, no, like I was a little bit scared and just yeah. like, why, why do I want to do this? You know? <laughs> But you know, Uh, that's the wonderful thing about women's mm -hmm. intuition. Yes. I I always talk about feminine flow and Mm -hmm. how that is like our secret power. Yeah. Literally, our secret power is that intuition. And when you listen to it, Jesus, it just magnifies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, wow. So then, okay, so you're like, I'm going to play. And you did. And you got it. (laughs) Yes. And I honestly, I was surprised. God, everybody who's telling you know people have a different perception of of you than you do of yourself I mean I definitely you know I mean I have a good self-esteem and all of that but I was just like I don't know if they're gonna think I'm ready because I'm you know I'm young for for a role like this and you know I'm the first Latina to hold this position and so I was just like I don't I don't know and I remember I met with Vince before apply, like applying and interviewing to get his perspective and just to prepare and ask him like, what do you think they're going to ask me? He wasn't part of the decision-making process for that. You know, there's a whole committee. Um, and I said, well, you know, it'll be a good like 
learning opportunity for me to go through this process. And he was like, you should be prepared to actually get this position. And I'm like, I don't know. get out of here get out of here yeah no they need someone more senior and all but here that's the thing that we do as women Mm -hmm. like we start downplaying our gifts and our talents Mm -hmm. yeah you know we and then it's like but why do we do that I mean there's a Mm -hmm. whole background on that Mm -hmm. but but you know how amazing that you just put that imposter syndrome to rest yes so you're gonna go for it yeah. Mm-hmm. You got it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so from my understanding, you got it in January, you stepped in as CEO. Mm-hmm. And so you're like almost six months into this role. And I'm wondering yes. like, how's it going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before I, before I delve into that, I just want to give props to, first of all, my husband who supported me and really encouraged me to apply for the job because he's an amazing partner and um, always the number one cheerleader. I feel like that was critical for me to have the confidence to do it. And then I also had joined um, this group called the Sun Goddess Movement. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) My girlfriend, SB, is, you know, the founder. She's a life coach and she's the founder of this, the Sun Goddess series. And so um, I would wake up, you know, at 445 every morning and get on Zoom with a group of women. Um, And the whole intention of that group was to not only get you grounded in your day, but to set goals and to work towards those goals and really reflect on like, okay, what are the things I need to do in my life to help me prepare for this goal or help me work towards this goal? So my whole goal was to apply for this job and to do a good job of presenting myself and make sure I was getting things in order in my life, in my personal life, getting my house organized, you know, so that by the time if I were to get this position, I I would feel as ready as I possibly could. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So, um, but to to the other question you asked, how is it going? It's going wonderful. It's going wonderful. I mean, I think that when you hold a, a leadership position of this magnitude, I don't know that you ever truly feel settled, you know, maybe like two to three years in, I'll feel more settled, but the learning curve is really big. You know, there's a lot of pieces of things that, um, I'm still learning, especially when it comes to, you know, um, finance and investments, even though I've, I've done major budgets, you know, throughout my career and I've been, uh, you know, I've been doing that, but now it's like, there's a, this is a huger scope or a hundred million dollar organization. So now this is a much larger scope that I'm, that I'm taking on. And, and what's great is that we have, I have a, a strong community of experts that are so smart, the staff, the, um, the board leadership. So in the, in the ways that I'm not an expert, there are so many others who are. So it's just recognizing where, you know, I might have weaknesses or opportunities for growth and then identifying who can help me in those areas um, and being vulnerable and being willing to say, you know, I don't know, I'm not sure. Like, I am very open to that. I, I do my best to not lead with ego. And so I make sure that I'm very honest about, I'm uncomfortable about this, or I don't understand this. And can you explain it to me? And, you know, so, um, that's where I feel my, a lot of my successes come from is, is knowing when to ask for help, finding good mentors, all of that has really helped me to get me to where I am today, for sure. 
Oh, absolutely. I, mm -hmm. I find that I say that vulnerability is like the new currency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's getting rid of the ego and actually coming to self and realizing, mm -hmm. okay, I have my gifts and talents, but I also, there's things that I don't know. Mm -hmm. And admitting to that is huge, especially yeah. as a CEO, right? Because mm -hmm. all these people depend on you and ask you for everything. But if mm -hmm. you have your team in place, it's going to be smooth. It's going to be, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, there's going to be some bumps in the road, yeah. but, but in the end, when you have a solid foundation, I think mm -hmm. it just, it's just going to work magically. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. So now, okay. So you're in almost six months in this role. So what's next? What's next mm -hmm. for, for Ronald McDonald house of charities of SoCal? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we have a strategic plan that we're going to be implementing. You know, it's it starts now to 2026. I think it's fluid. We just had a board retreat where we talked about the strategic plan. And one of the things that we talked about before we talked about rolling out like phase one of the plan is really reflecting on the culture of the organization and make sure making sure that we have continuity in the culture of our organization because Peter Drucker, who's a, a, an expert on organizational leadership, he said that um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if you don't have a solid culture in your organization, then any strategy or plan you have, you cannot execute. And so I think that Ronald McDonald House Charities of Southern California has a beautiful mission. We have an incredible culture in many ways, but there's room for improvement and there's, there, there is room for us to create more continuity so that no matter what house you walk into or if you go to camp, you're going to feel like you're in the same place, at least in terms of representation of our values. And for people to, to really feel that. And then I think from there, then we can really dig in deeper into the strategic plan. So that's the next five years is really, I think, me focused on getting the organization to another level um, between Vince and the leadership that, you know, exists now and, and came before him as well. We've, we have really grown and we're in such a beautiful position and we've, we have a solid foundation, like you were saying. And so now what's the next level? It's, it's really implementing that plan. It's reflecting on, you know, one of my priorities is reflecting on how we can provide more mental health support for our families. And also how do we elevate the brand of Ronald McDonald House Charities of Southern California because a lot of people hear the name, they know it's a, a, a well-known and reputable organization, but not everybody knows exactly what it is that we do. And so I would love for people to hear our name and know exactly what it is that we do and know exactly the impact that we have in the community. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with you completely. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I love that, that you guys are considering, you know, working more with mental support because I think that is mm -hmm. right now huge huge mm -hmm. for the youth especially yeah. with this whole pandemic being on zoom mm -hmm. and finally coming back to normalcy if you will I think um you know having this foundation that you have it's it's only going to blossom because you're mm -hmm. focusing on areas that are needed that are wanted mm -hmm. and you know with the kids um that are going to these camps these mm -hmm. amazing camps and and 
it's like mental health is huge. And, and I feel like it's the most, one of the most important things, mm-hmm. you know, from the beginning as a kid, if you don't have good mental health, any of that mm-hmm. wellness, you know, it's going to be more challenging for you as you grow mm-hmm. up. And absolutely, how, how exciting for you to be at the pivotal mm-hmm. point at Ronald, Ronald McDonald House of Charities of SoCal to be mm-hmm. the influence, the, the leader of this pack. Mm-hmm. So that you can just take it to a whole different level. Because I mean, girl, you said, what was it? A hundred million dollars? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. wow, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. That's huge. Yes. So yeah. much impact. Bravo. Yes. Oh, bravo. Thank you. Thank you. And you know, yeah. yes. We're gonna say I, yeah, I just wanted just to take a moment just to share a little bit more about the organization, just so your listeners know more about Ronald McDonald House Charities. So we do have our camp, like I mentioned, you know, for children with cancer and their families. It's a year-round camp up in Idlewild. We have um, doctors and nurses, volunteers who are on site 24-7, and we have a medical center up there. So that's how our children are able to come up, whether they're on or off treatment. So we do have kids who are currently in treatment who get to go up with their siblings and their parents. And, you know, that's an important part of the whole charity because we say that, you know, whether it's cancer or, you know, a child is having, um, you know, an organ transplant or they have a major injury, all of this impacts the entire family, not just the patient, it it impacts the entire family. So that's our camp. And then we have have six Ronald McDonald houses throughout Southern California. We're opening up a seventh house near UCLA on the west side. And our houses provide a place for families to stay while their child's being served at a local children's hospital. So the West LA house is the very last house that we're building that is located right next to a major children's hospital, which is Mattel Children's Hospital. And so not only do the families get to stay close while their child is in the hospital, but we also provide meals. We do provide mental health support through our family support services. And we actually say it's it's emotional support because these are doctoral students in training. So they're not yet clinical therapists, but they're training to become therapists. So they provide emotional support for the families, also for our staff. Because, you know, they're at the front lines working with the families when they're going through a crisis. And then we also have family rooms, which are located inside of the hospital in the NICUs and PICUs. We have two in Orange County, one in Ventura. And so that's, you know, the most critically ill injured children. The families are not even leaving the hospital. So they have a place where they can go in the family room, grab a meal, take a nap, have a private conversation. And so all of our programs have uh, are part of family-centered care, which is a huge movement in the medical system right now, where the goal is to bring the family into the conversation with the doctors and nurses. Whereas in the in the past, it was like very prescribed. The doctors and the nurses say, this is what's happening, right? And now they know there's direct research that shows that when the family's part of the decision-making process, there's better health outcomes for the child. And so we're part of that family-centered care because we're making it possible 
so that parents aren't sleeping in their cars or parents aren't sleeping, you know, at the bedside. And we have research that shows when that happens, the parents are not getting restful sleep. And we all know when we don't sleep, how can you make a decision? How can you even have a conversation? So we know that we are directly impacting the health outcomes, positive health health outcomes for the children and the families so they don't feel alone because this is the most unimaginable crisis that they are going through. I mean, when you have a child, the last thing you think is that they're going to be critically ill or injured, right? That's the last thing. So when they come to us, they're in the midst of a massive storm in their lives. I mean, and, and who knows, like, what else is going on in their lives? We've had families that were homeless, that have been part of us, right? So we have no idea what what are the other layers of, of challenge that they're dealing with. And so Ronald McDonald House Charities, we wrap our arms around the whole family and we try to be more of that solace to, to support the entire family as they're going through the most difficult time in their lives. Wow. Oh my God. It's so true. It's like family-centered. It's, it's pivotal. And I don't understand mm-hmm. why... Um, we don't have that in everything that we do. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, li- literally, I'm my. I have my daughter. She's ten years old, and mm-hmm. her best friend was diagnosed with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, even that in itself, like, I, it's not my child, but my, mm-hmm. that child is affecting my daughter. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and it affects me that I'm a mom and I see my daughter, you know, and sees. The role of her best friend. Mm-hmm. And I can just imagine not having that support. Mm-hmm. That support. And you guys provide that support. Oh my God, mm-hmm. excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, absolutely. And I think that's the most healing part of what we provide is the support because when the families come to the houses or they go to camp or they're in a family room, they're able to meet other families who are going through a difficult situation. Because when you're in the hospital, you're isolated. You're, you're there with your medical team. You're not talking to other families and like, Hey, what's going on with you? Right. You're focused on your child. But when they go to the house, they go to camp, they're in the family room. They're able to create a community that doesn't exist in their world. They're, it's, rare right that there's other families that are dealing with such an incredible crisis and so that's probably one of the most cathartic pieces of what we do is that creating that community for everybody well i i'm Mm -hmm. so so you know appreciative of the work that you do and and just truly honored that you're here to spend time with us because seriously this Mm -hmm. this needs to be you know, having a family-centered care should be like the staple, you mm-hmm. know, it should always be the staple, like communities mm-hmm. where we, we, we become stronger, we become stronger mm-hmm. when we live in community, and these kids need the support, believe me, mm-hmm. you know, as I, I told you about my daughter's best friend, mm-hmm. and it's like, as soon as we, she got diagnosed, um, I immediately decided, okay, as because uh, my daughter attends a mm-hmm. um, St. Monica's Catholic elementary school. Mm-hmm. So I, I just pulled everybody together like, hey, mm-hmm. she's going to need mom is going to need help with food. Mom is going to need money. You know, mm-hmm. let's help out. And, and I think that doing it at a grander scale, like Ronald McDonald House of Charities of SoCal, mm-hmm. I mean, it should be it should be a staple. It should be in mm-hmm. every city. 
in every city, right? Right. And we are located throughout the world. We have more than 365 houses throughout the world. It was started in Philadelphia and our founders actually, well, some of our founders are obviously a lot of people who were part of the founding of the organization, but the family who inspired the creation of Ronald McDonald House Charities lives in Southern California is part of our organization, is on the board, is a McDonald's owner operator. Um, so we're so fortunate to have them. Um, and we just had a retreat last week where they were, t- they were able to talk about the genesis of the organization. And it was just like so mind blowing. Oh. So, yeah, just to start in a little house in Philadelphia, because, you know, a child was diagnosed with cancer and the founder was um, an NFL player for the Eagles. And so they had right that he had that platform where, where, you know, they were able to really elevate what was happening and get more support and get McDonald's involved. And that's really how we started. It was with one child. And and now we're, we're worldwide. Mm-hmm. countless yeah. thousands and thousands and thousands of mm-hmm. kids yeah thank you so much for for all that you're doing and I don't mm-hmm. I don't want you to leave without giving me your tips because I always ask mm-hmm. my amigas I'm like amiga what give me one or two tips on how an amiga can handle her shit because girl you're doing it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think that Definitely creating a community of support for you, right? Like I mentioned, my husband, who's such an amazing support. Obviously, my mother, who laid the foundation and continues to support. My mother-in-law helps so much with my daughters. I have two girls, 10 and 7 years old, Alejandra and Emma. And so having that support network really really makes all the difference. I have an amazing group of girlfriends, you know, some of which are, are friends since high school that I'm still very close to. And then other friends that, you know, I've developed along the way, friendships I've developed along the way, but all of my friends, we cheer each other on We're we are each other's biggest fans and biggest champions. You know, we don't cheese mad about each other. Like we definitely, you know, if, if there's a, if there's a challenge in the, in the relationship, which comes up in every relationship, we will have, um, you know, a very, constructive conversation about how do I problem solve, you know, and and then I'm going to directly talk about that with that friend. So if I'm going to talk to someone about something that's going on with another friend, it's about let's help me work through this and how, what are the next steps for me to improve this relationship and, and address this issue. Right. So that's been really important. And when I was younger, a teenager, like I was more of the cheese type, you know, and I'd like to choose me out and, you know, um, but now it, it, over time you grow, you evolve, you mature. And now, you know, my relationships are very healthy. And when I've encountered a relationship, that's not healthy, then, then I move on. I bless and release, you know, it's always bless and release. So that's an important tip. And of course, self-care. I mean, that's such a huge, huge, you know, topic now. And for me, that self-care looks like, um, you know, working out, I work out five days a week, I have a Peloton and love, you know, running as well. So I always consistently work out. That's like such a huge, um, such a huge stress relief for me. I also love doing makeup and fashion. I feel like that's very, you know, um, I'm not like a name brand labels type person. I just love, you know, curating looks and I love doing that. Spending quality time with my family and my friends and 
um, just making sure I have time to focus on me, you know, at, at least, you know, 45 minutes every day, I'm doing something to, to recenter myself. And of course, my spirituality. I mean, that's the foundation of everything for me is my spirituality for sure. Absolutely. It's your mm-hmm. core values. Mm-hmm. your core values you know and so they have mm-hmm. led you with your intuition does it does mm-hmm. it resonate with me is it an alignment and mm-hmm. just doing all these things that you're doing for yourself the self-care mm-hmm. super mm-hmm. important especially as a ceo right yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. oh my god Absolutely. i'm excited i'm excited for all the things that you're planning and everything Thank that's you. gonna happen for ronald mcdonald house of charities of socal mm-hmm. i you're such a beautiful soul thank I, you. I thank you so much i honor you for the work that you're doing um and i god i'm just like in awe i'm like i gotta tell your mom i interviewed you <laughs> And like, I now know, I now know why she's always, always giving you so much props. I swear to God, I was like, I'm like, oh my God. Well, now I know. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for the opportunity to talk to you in this platform, because that's one of my, my big goals. Like I mentioned is to, to just expose what it is that we do, because I feel so passionate about it. And I see the transformation. I see how important it is. And you know, um, I, I invite your listeners to reach out and, to me and, and, you know, ask me how you can get involved. I would love to involve you, involve your children. You know, there's lots of ways to volunteer as a family. And I think that's important for to teach our children. You know, for me, my girls, they, they've been part of this organization. They've been going with me to camp. You know, they go to, with me to events and they volunteer all the time. And that's an important part for me in their up for sure. So I welcome others to to join me in that. Absolutely, amigas. And Mm -hmm. also, we're going to put it in the show notes to Mm -hmm. um, the the website and how to um, be a part of this organization, because I'm sure Mm -hmm. you guys are constantly hiring people. Yes. Someone wants to actually move up the chain of command Mm -hmm. too and become a CEO of a nonprofit, right? Absolutely. I'm excited. So Amiga, thank you so much for being here at Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. Thank you. Super My honor. honor. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Amiga Handle Your Shit Podcast. If anything resonates with you today, please share it with your friends and subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to share it on Instagram, Facebook, and other social media platforms. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at www.amigahandleyourshit.com. Thank you so much for listening. Gracias y hasta la próxima. Thank you.